You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 131. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 131. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms. How is everyone? I am amazing. I feel like my life is in balance. You know, when you have those days where you're like, this was a balanced day, (laughs) or maybe even a whole week where you're like, I feel in balance. Well, maybe you don't, but maybe you do and you can relate to it. It never lasts for long, but it's a really nice feeling when you get it. So I hope that you are doing fantastically. I hate to break it to you, but for some people out there, school is starting soon. Or maybe that's a wonderful thing. (laughs) If you are in the camp of, thank goodness school is starting soon. Or if you are in the, no, I'm not ready for summer to end camp. Either one, we are all together in solidarity. Some school out here on the West Coast, school is starting like next week. Like it's ridiculous. So uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. What happens with my schedule is that it starts getting really busy. Once school gets back into session, moms kind of start feeling like they're ready for a fresh start and they want to make the most of the school year. And so they tend to decide September is a good time to work with a life coach. So if you've been thinking about life coaching and maybe you had a free discovery call, but you never really committed because summer was coming or you're ready to schedule that free discovery call, I suggest doing it now because my calendar is going to be booked. September, October, I tend to get really busy and there might not be room available. So if you're at all curious, jump on there now, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash workwithme, hyphens in between the words, and we will get your free discovery call set up so we can get you on the books and hold a time on the calendar before it gets busy. All right, today we have a very universal question. I have not yet met a mom that doesn't have this question somewhere in their brain. And it's, how do you know you are doing enough as a mom? So I'm very happy that Heidi wrote in with this question because I think it's just something that everybody shares. So thank you, Heidi, for your question. It reads, I am overall very satisfied and fulfilled with my life, but I wish I could be more patient and kind. I've had a lot of family time this summer, much of it wonderful, but I find myself getting snappy and irritable with the kids. I want to be grateful for what I have, but instead I get obsessive about getting the kids to act the way I want. I want them to use nice words, clean up after themselves, play outside instead of sitting on screens, eat healthy foods. I just want to know that I'm doing the right things for my kids. It feels like I can't rest until all my work is done. How do you know if you are doing enough as a mom when there's still work to be done? Heidi, 
So really good question. I think it's very universal, like I said. It's also the work that we need to do around the house. Yes, like dishes and laundry and those never-ending circular tasks that seem to plague us. But I think it's also, how do I know if I'm doing enough when my kids' behavior isn't perfect? When I look at them and I'm like, hmm, there's room for improvement there. (laughs) They need to work on being polite and cleaning up after themselves and all those things. How can I believe that I'm a good enough mom when there's still work out there to be done? So I love this question. I think it's such a good one. And my parent educator answer, how do you know if you're doing enough as a mom? Is I'm going to give you three checkpoints. So let's check in with these three things and see if you are doing these three things, then you're probably doing enough. Number one, are you taking responsibility for your own mental, emotional, physical, and financial health? I want you to think about somebody you know who had a mom or currently has a mom who is not taking good care of themselves whether they aren't taking good care of their finances or they aren't taking good care of their physical health or not going to their doctor's appointments or they're not, they're smoking when they're not supposed to be smoking. Do you know somebody who struggles with their mental and emotional health and isn't doing anything about it? And is that person a mom? If you know somebody who's a mom who doesn't take good care of their health or take responsibility for their health, then you will may also get a glimpse as to what a burden that places on the child. It doesn't matter if that child is eight or 80. <laughs> when a parent does not take responsibility for their health, it is a huge burden to the kid of any age. So the best thing that you can do as a mom is to take excellent care of yourself so that your child gets to be a child and not have to carry the additional burden of becoming an adult at a young age or feeling like at any age you have to take responsibility for your mom because they aren't doing it, okay? Now notice I didn't say, is your mental, emotional, physical, and financial health perfect? (laughs) Nobody has perfect mental, emotional, physical, financial health right? There's no such thing as being perfect. But are you taking responsibility for it? Where you're saying like, it's I'm choosing this. And let's say you're even choosing to like ignore the doctors. The doctors tell you to do something. You're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't feel that's the right thing for me. You can still say no to traditional help while also taking responsibility. And you can let your family know, say, I have made a conscious decision. I have done my research. I am choosing to take an alternative route instead of the traditional route. That's still you taking responsibility, okay? There's a difference between that and being in denial of pretending like it's going to be fine or not being open to the conversation. If you can listen to people's opinions and say, nope, I'm going to choose a different path. That is totally your responsibility. But when kids take on adult responsibilities at a young age, they get rewarded by our culture. 
Okay. So we look at them and we're like, wow, those kids are so capable. And we admire their like successes in life and they're so grown up and mature. The problem is that these kids who have to take on responsibility for their parents' health is that they can develop a fear of relaxing and a fear of trusting others to take care of themselves. So it makes it, (laughs) sometimes I'll be coaching a client and I'll say, you are a magnet for responsibility. And that often happens if they're raised in a house with an alcoholic parent or a parent who can't seem to get their act together financially or isn't just taking responsibility for their lives in kind of a grown-up, mature fashion, then often that kid attracts responsibility like a magnet. And so that's a hard thing to shake because nobody is supposed to be the only one in charge and the responsible party for many, many people. We need a balance. We need to be able to relax. We need to be able to trust. We need to be able to depend on others to take care of themselves. So when we focus on our own health as moms, then it allows our kids to be kids. So that is the number one criteria. How do you know you're doing enough as a mom is to take responsibility for your own mental, emotional, physical, financial health. Okay, number two, are you still around? If you haven't walked out the door never to return, you are doing enough. Staying in the game, figuring things out, even when they're hard, especially when they're hard, taking breaks, but coming back shows your kids that you love and care for them. I do not want you mamas, especially perfectionistic mamas, to underestimate the power of being there. Ask anyone who's been abandoned by a parent. That being there and doing an imperfect, lackluster job of mothering can show your children a realistic view of what the role entails and help them decide if they want to be a parent someday. So here's an example. Julie's mom abandoned her and her two siblings at a train station. The mom's mental health was teetering on the edge, so she walked away and she never came back. Okay, so she's taking responsibility for her mental health, saying, I can't parent these kids anymore. But she abandoned them at a train station, which is not the most helpful. It was very traumatic for my client. And she never came back. So this creates a huge void in a child's life with a lot of unanswered questions. And kids always think it's them. What did I do wrong? If I had just been nicer, if I tried harder, that's kind of how kids' brains work. So this abandonment by Julie's mom made it really hard for Julie to never do the same to her kids. So she has kids. And then life gets hard. And she's like, well, I only have two options. I either need to abandon them or stay. She never realized that there was like a hundred options in between (laughs) because her version of stay was to be with the kids 24 seven. And so she thought, well, I'm not going to abandon them like my mom did. I never want my kids to feel the way I felt. And so I have to be there every second of every day, never take a break, never take a vacation. I can't rest. I can't admit that it's hard. I can't admit that I need help. 
Because if she admitted that she was tired and needed a break, it felt to her like abandonment. And so her thinking became black and white because of her mom's abandonment. It was like, either I love my kids or I'm abandoning them. And there was not a lot of room in the middle. So together, she and I developed her ability to admit that life was hard and that it was okay to take breaks from the 24-7 demands of parenting. And it didn't compromise her kids' ability to feel loved. And you know everything was still okay when she came back and it wasn't dramatic or traumatic. So that's what she, we worked on together. But abandonment is a really big deal. So the fact that you're still in the game is a sign that you are good enough and doing enough as a mom. Okay, number three. How do I know if I'm doing enough as a mom? Is, are you trying your best? There's a saying in parent education that those who take parenting classes or work with parenting coaches or listen to parenting podcasts are not the ones who need to. Just the fact that you are trying, listening to this podcast, learning, growing, seeking out additional resources, demonstrates effort. This is what we call a growth mindset, and it is a wonderful thing to model for your children. I remember teaching my Girl Scout troop how to jump rope, not individually, but the big one, you know, where one kid stands on each end and turns the rope, and then the kid is to run in, jump, turn around, touch the ground, run out, right? So we were doing this with our Girl Scout troop and this little girl, Reese, was queued up. She was ready. It was her turn to run into the ropes. And she's standing there on the sidelines watching. You know how you have to like kind of watch the rhythm, get your body in sync with the rope. She's got her hands moving. She's staring, her body. But you know, it takes some like gumption to get up in there and finally like commit and run in, right? So she looks nervous. She's taking a long time as she studies these ropes. Her mom was there watching her daughter's hesitation. And she thought she would help by running into the ropes and showing her how easy it is. So mom runs in, jumps, 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 turn around, touch the ground, run out. And she says, look, Reese, it's easy. Just do it like this. Well, Reese's mom did a seamless job of running in, jumping a few times and running out saying, now it's your turn. After watching this demonstration, however, Reese walked away, sat down on the ground and refused to try for the rest of the day. Perfect parenting is not the goal. And it's not always helpful. It's not what our kids need. When we do everything easily and beautifully, our kids develop a fixed mindset. Either I'm good at it or I'm not good. My mom's good at it. I'm not. I'll never be good at it. So why try? So just by you staying in the game of parenting, trying your best, taking care of yourself as well as your kids, you are modeling imperfect, super adequate, good enough parenting. But let's move on to today's life coaching answer. Now that we got these three things, how do I know if I'm good enough is by taking responsibility of my own health, if I'm still around, still in the game, and if I'm trying my best, listening, learning, and growing. Three simple ways to know you're doing enough. So if you're doing all those three things, 
but you still don't feel like you're doing enough. It could be because you live in the United States or a similar country that has what I call a blame mom culture. Is that kid throwing a tantrum? It must be the mom's fault. She's not handling it right. Is that kid not doing his homework? Mom, why is your kid not doing her homework? You need to make sure your kid turns his homework in every day. Is your child overweight? Well, mom, you need to take a look at what are you feeding him and what kinds of foods you have around your house and who does the grocery shopping. Mom's fault. Does your middle schooler have anxiety? Is he too scared to go to school? Mom, it must be something that you're doing wrong. It is overwhelming to live in a blame mom culture. And it seems to those of us who are moms in this culture that the only way to be good enough is to have kids who act perfectly. So what do we do? We live in a blame the mom culture. We focus on getting our kids to act the way we want so that we can feel confident in our parenting. It seems like it's the only way to feel good about ourselves and the job we're doing. If they eat their vegetables and clear their plate off the table, put it in the dishwasher, then we feel calm and reassured that we are doing the right things. When our kids play nicely with their siblings, then we get to praise ourselves for raising such great kids that have good relationships with their siblings. So instead of focusing on our thoughts inside our heads, like I'm not a good enough mom, we focus on improving their behavior, believing that that's the only way to get to think nice thoughts about the job we are doing. Because I'm pretty sure that every night when you go to bed, super moms, you are not reflecting on what a wonderful job you did that day. I'm going to guess there's no chart with gold stars on it that has your name that says, wow, way to put out that argument that your kids had. Like, that was a really good move there, mom, with that parent-teacher conference you had really set the stage for a successful school year. Or, dang, that was a good meal you just made for your kids. It was healthy and they all tried it. Like, we don't praise ourselves. We're not giving ourselves credit when we do good parenting things. And so, What we end up doing is we take our ego, our ability to feel like a good mom, and we put it in the hands of our children. We give them control and power over our ability to feel confident that we're doing enough. This is not a good plan. Since children are still learning, and learning involves lots of mistake making, and it's very messy while you're figuring out how to socialize properly with the neighbor kid and how to, I don't know, load the dishwasher. (laughs) Like it's messy, right? There's going to be a lot of imperfections in our kids. And so when we put our ability to feel like a good mom into the hands of our children, it is a surefire way to feel inadequate and powerless to change. So I believe it is time we stop looking at our children's behavior to determine whether we are good parents. I want you to think about somebody. It could be famous or somebody you know 
who turned out to be a functioning member of society, accomplished and kind, but whose parents were a bit of a hot mess. Like, Oprah comes to mind immediately. I can think of many people who did an amazing job of overcoming their upbringing to create a brilliant life for themselves. I mean, Barack Obama's mom moved to another country. Like, he was abandoned by mom. She still communicated through the phone. (laughs) He was raised by grandparents, but dad abandoned him. Like, he turned out pretty darn good pretty darn successful. Actually, I think there's, if you look back at a lot of U.S. presidents, a lot of them were abandoned by their fathers. Having a parent who is a hot mess does not necessarily mean your kid is going to be a hot mess. And so this blame the mom culture is based on a fallacy. Now, I want you to think of somebody, another mom who you look at and you're like, wow, she's a really good mom. I really admire the way she talks to her kids, the way she interacts with us. She's so kind. I can think of a lot of people like this, especially like preschool teachers that I really admire. They're really like empathic and compassionate, but the kid is kind of not like really all that put together. Like maybe the kid's a hot mess, but the mom talks to them so lovingly. Like, can you think of somebody that you know? It was like the mom is like you really admire, but the kid is off doing their own thing or they're kind of not easy kid to manage or they're difficult to be around in some way. It is absolutely possible to be an excellent parent even while a kid is struggling or having a difficult time with life. Like you can admire the way that somebody parents. So this idea that a children's behavior is reflective of the mom is based on fallacy. This blame the mom culture is not working for us. I remember one time I was sitting at the dinner table waiting for my 14-year-old son to join me. I had picked up prime rib from our favorite steakhouse. Since it was just the two of us, the rest of the family doesn't eat red meat. And so it was a treat. Kind of when he and I were together, we would get a steak or a prime rib or something. So here I am sitting at the table. I've called up to him. The dinner was ready. And I'm waiting for him to join me after he finishes up his video game. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting for my teenage dining companion. Because you see, we have an agreement about the video games. He plays with his friends online and it messes up their scores if he doesn't complete the game. Now, I could care less about this. To me, dinner's ready. It's hot. Come eat now because I just worked my butt off to make this nice dinner. But we have an agreement. I understand he doesn't want to upset his friends. So we've agreed that I let him finish his games. He'll come down before starting any new one. He'll check in with me, hand in his technology by 9 p.m., yada, yada. We've got this contract. So this agreement evolved after lots of frustrations and a few blow-ups on my part. So tonight, I sit by myself watching this beautiful prime rib dinner get cold. My doubts creep in like a familiar shadow, whispering, you're not doing enough. You're not doing a good enough job as a mom. 
you were a good mom, he would be down here eating with you. Instead, he's playing video games upstairs. (laughs) As much self-coaching as I have done, this not doing enough voice has been a tough one to shake. The old me would have exploded in a rage-filled fit so that my son would feel as awful as I do. You see, I like to be right. So if I think I'm not a good enough mom, I act like it. For some funny reason, my son has asked me to find a different way of coping with my frustrations (laughs) other than yelling at him. And I have obliged. I agree. I need to find a different way other than yelling at him. So here I sit thinking, how do I know if I'm a good mom? I think it's disrespectful to keep someone waiting and let food get cold that they just worked hard to provide. It feels like my son is putting video games before his mother who is just trying to feed him. These thoughts make me feel resentful, righteous, powerless, not good emotions. I don't like feeling like a victim. And so I explore other thoughts to interpret this situation. If his food is cold, he's the only one who suffers. Letting him suffer natural consequences sounds like good parenting, doesn't it? It's not like I'm missing out on inspiring dinner conversation with him. He's a mumbling teenage boy who talks with his mouth full and wolfs dinner down in five minutes. These thoughts feel better, but it's still not getting to the core issue. What's really bothering me is that I don't know what a good mom would do. I can't think of anything I want more in my life than to be a good mom. And so it drives me crazy when I don't have an answer. And here's the thing. The reason I can't find a good answer is because the question, how I do I know if I'm good enough? How do I know if I'm doing enough? It's just not a good question to ask. I gave you those answers, you know, those three things of like, am I here? Am I taking responsibility? Am I trying? But it's still just not a really good question to ask. There's no final parenting destination. There's no parenting report card, no judgmental mother in the sky. This good parenting, bad parenting dichotomy doesn't exist. Is a construct of a perfectionistic mind, probably implanted by advertising companies that tap into our insecurities so we'll buy their products to feel like good enough moms. So as I sit there enjoying my delicious dinner by myself, I choose to focus on something else that feels better. Instead of asking, am I good enough? I focus on love. I love that I have a great relationship with my teenage son. I love that we can resolve conflicts with compromise and peace. I love that I feed my son delicious food. I love that I care so much about being a good mom. I love that he can connect with his friends without me having to drive him anywhere. I love that he has people who share his love of games. I love that I can enjoy this dinner with or without him. So I finish my dinner. I let his full and beautiful plate on the table get cold, letting it be his problem. But 10 minutes later, I threw a screaming, crying fit. It was ugly, like meltdown city. Not because my son never came down to eat. Not because I believe I'm not a good enough mom. 
but because my tiny 10-pound dog climbed on top of the table and ate his entire 12-ounce prime rib. (laughs) It was funny to me how much better I felt after crying and screaming and getting mad at the dog. Maybe it's easier to let that love in after we've gotten rid of the yuck. I love that I'm not the only one who gets exhausted trying to do everything right. I love that my son gets to experience natural consequences without experiencing all of my inner turmoil that I had there at the dinner table. I love that other moms get it and have my back. I love that life coaching helps me choose how I want to think, feel, and act. And I love that I gave my dog the silent treatment and she didn't even know it. Today's Supermom Kryptonite is this question, am I doing enough? I know that this whole blog is about it, but I couldn't end without reiterating how toxic this question is. Even though every person I've met has it. It's triggered by many things, the number on the scale, the amount of money in the bank, the amount of vegetables our kids eat, what college your son attends, you name it. We use it as evidence to prove that we are inadequate and unworthy of love and belonging. But instead of asking yourself this toxic question, ask yourself something that feels good. I mentioned focusing on love, but you can also ask yourself a question like, was I adequate today? Am I trying to learn and grow? Am I still here? Am I still in the game of parenting? What is my impatience trying to teach me? How can I be more relaxed while at home with my kids? You see, our brains like a puzzle. We like a good question. So you got to make sure it's a quality question that's going to give you a good answer. What is my impatience trying to teach me? What is it trying to show me? That is a better question to ask. You throw that question into your brain and then just go about your business. Your brain will come up with the answer. If you ask, how can I be more relaxed while at home with my kids? And then just leave it. Don't feel like you've got to figure it out. Just let your brain noodle on something helpful rather than something unhelpful like, how do I know I'm doing enough? So Heidi says she wants to be more patient and kind. The fact that she has this desire indicates that her nature is to be patient and kind. So how about asking, What is blocking me from being patient and kind? What is it that needs my attention? Or what can I do to get let the yuck out so that I can access my patience? I've got some yuck in here. How do I get it out so that I can access my gratitude? Everyone wakes up with a question in their mind. Make sure you're asking yourself a question that leads to a good answer. Today's Supermom Power Boost is how I feel is the most important thing. This sentence still makes me smile (laughs) and crack up a little bit because I'm such a caring, sensitive, people-pleaser, do-gooder that it feels sacrilegious to say it. How I feel is the most important thing feels so selfish and sort of 
indulgent, maybe narcissistic, that it's so contrary to my personality. But it ends up being a very good thought for me to think. When I discovered this thought, I felt naughty and selfish. Like I had this little secret that I wasn't going to tell anybody else about that how I feel is the most important thing. I felt like I was breaking like a cultural rule. But the more I thought it through, the more accurate it seemed to be. When I feel calm, I parent in a way that I admire. When I feel content, it's easier for those around me to feel content too. Emotions are contagious. Instead of trying to make my kids happy, which never lasted long, I could focus on my own happiness, something I actually had control over. Then my kids could enjoy the gift of a happy, fulfilled mom while also enjoying a home filled with joy. It's not like I'm trying to be happy all the time. Sometimes I want to feel mad. Like when my dog ate my son's prime rib dinner, I was very angry. And sometimes I want to feel disappointed. Like when I got COVID right before a trip, those are appropriate emotions for the situation and it felt right. But deciding how I how I want to feel is the most important thing for me because it puts my focus on something I have control over and it benefits everyone around me. So if you like this thought, how I feel is the most important thing, watch it for a couple of days and see if it isn't true. And when you get wrapped up, as Heidi was saying, she gets wrapped up in the kids needing to behave a certain way and clean their rooms and and clean up after themselves and she can get kind of wrapped up, is you pull it back and you say, wait a second here, how I feel is more important than what they do. Like, what if that were true? How would you feel if that was true? What would you do differently? For me, it is a super helpful place to put my focus and my attention on. And everyone around me benefits because happy wife, happy life, (laughs) right? When mama's happy, everybody else is happy too. Today's quote of the day. The truth is, belonging starts with self-acceptance. Your level of belonging, in fact, can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance. Because believing that you're enough is what gives you the courage to be authentic, vulnerable, and imperfect. The incomparable Brene Brown. Thank you so much for listening today. I feel like this was a really important topic. And I want to remind you to ask yourself a good question. When you wake up in the morning, actually, I remember hearing this, that everyone wakes up with a question in their mind. And I was like, "Mm, is that true? Let me see. And I remember going to sleep and waking up in the morning and trying to figure out what is the question I wake up with in my mind? And it was, when am I going to get some rest? When am I going to get a break? That was my question. So just good to be aware of. I was tired and I wasn't paying attention to it. So what is the question you want to wake up with in your mind? How can I get more peace, more rest, more relaxation? How is a better way to start the question? How can I feel like I've done enough? How can I feel adequate? How can I feel confident? 
how is a great place to start if you're looking for a good question to start your day with? All right, super moms, I will love you and leave you. Thank you for listening. Take care. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.